0: Welcome to the Farm Commons Podcast, where we make farm law accessible and actionable for sustainable farmers and ranchers, as well as their networks of support. I'm Eva. And I'm Kate. In each
1: episode, we explore real legal issues faced on farms every day, providing key knowledge and tangible solutions to help you grow
0: a thriving agricultural business. From managing liability to navigating tough conversations with landlords and neighbors, we've got your back let's get started. And we are back. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. And I'm happy to be here with you, Eva. Hey, Kate. Happy to be here too. So Eva, what are we doing today?
1: Today, we are digging into a topic that many farmers and ranchers don't often think about, and that is discrimination. If anyone's hairs, you know, kind of stood up when you heard that word, um, that's understandable because discrimination is something we all want to avoid. But the reality is that discrimination can happen on even the most well-intentioned farms. And at Farm Commons, we've covered this topic extensively in our podcast episodes 42 and 35, but today we're going to zero in on a recent question that we've gotten, which is what questions can I not ask during a job interview?
0: Such an important question. And the fact that we keep returning to this topic should hint that avoiding discrimination is not as easy as we might think especially in interviews where the employer and the applicant are getting to know each other, it can be tricky to distinguish what is friendly and what is overstepping into some maybe discriminatory territory. So discrimination might often seem unintentional, but that doesn't make it legal.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. And it's not easy, but don't worry, dear listener out there, we're here to calm the nerves and provide you with a more clear and safer path forward. And we'll do this with some expert help, of course. Uh, We're joined by Chloe Johnson today, one of our staff attorneys who previously farmed for many years, also worked as a staff attorney at prior practice and provided technical assistance to growers in North Carolina. She will help us work through this gray area today.
2: Hi, Chloe. Hi, Kate and Eva. So glad to be here, and I am glad that we're taking time to focus on creating What will be a legally sound interview process? Now, of course, there's a lot of work to do outside of the hiring process to make your farm a respectful workplace for employees that's diverse in age, race, and ability and other characteristics. But the hiring process and interview questions specifically, this is a great place to start. And I'm gonna go ahead and offer some simple advice at the outset. When you're crafting your interview questions, Remember, you don't want to ask about the applicant as much as you want to ask about the job. We will get to specific questions you want to ask or don't want to ask later, but just know that all your questions are going to end up being a variation on this theme. Can you perform the essential functions of the job? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, great question, Chloe. So let's say that I am in the process of hiring the first employee at my farm, hypothetically. We've gone through the initial application review, and now I'm at the point of scheduling an interview with a candidate who I think is just absolutely great on paper. A question on my mind now is, what questions should I not ask in the interview in order to avoid discrimination?
2: Right, that's a great question. And first, I would say congrats on expanding your farm business and kudos for doing your due diligence to make this first hiring experience positive for you and your employee. Now, to answer your question, we have to take a step back and identify what discrimination means in the employment context. So employment discrimination happens when an employer treats an applicant or employee differently because of certain characteristics that person has. Now, regarding these certain characteristics, there are only a handful of them that are protected by law. On the federal level, the ones that are protected are a person's sex, which includes gender, gender identity, and sexual orientation, a person's physical or mental disability, their age, if they are a veteran status, any union status they have, their race, color, national origin, or ancestry, and religion or creed. So if you factor any of these characteristics into your hiring decisions, you may have discriminated.
1: Mm, That's quite a comprehensive list. Um, and so could we clarify this a bit further, these protected characteristics for farmers and ranchers who are tuning in and their their interest is peaked, to so really want to hone hone what these characteristics
2: are? Sure. So I should say the list of federally protected characteristics are going to be linked in our show notes. Uh, they're also uh, spelled out in our Selected Essentials in Employment Law for Your State, the resource we have on our website. We also go into that list in detail in podcast episode number 42. What you need to know now is that each of those characteristics I listed off, sex, race, etc., those are called protected characteristics. You can think of them as a list of characteristics on which a person cannot make employment-related decisions. The list of protected characteristics was established on the federal level with a few different laws like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. But we also have state laws we have to consider. Each state has either followed or expanded on the federally protected characteristics in their own way.
1: Thanks, Chloe. So to review, each state can add to that list of protected characteristics. And so now let's dive into employment law. In a state-specific example, uh, let's look at New Hampshire, since our friends at the University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension are supporting this episode. Thank you, friends. Uh, So what are the protected characteristics in New Hampshire?
2: Well, New Hampshire adds a few categories of protected characteristics to the list. First up, we have marital status, which is if someone's, of course, single, widowed, divorced, or married. They also add familial status. Uh, So this just goes to generally who the person lives with, if they have children, that kind of thing. And maybe surprisingly, we have uh, New Hampshire protects tobacco use outside of work. Now, New Hampshire also expands on some federally protected, well, one federally protected characteristic, that of age. So at the federal level, it's illegal to discriminate on the basis of age for anyone over 40 years old. But in New Hampshire, it's illegal to discriminate on the basis of age for anyone over 18. So of course you can make a hiring decision based on age if someone is a minor, but once they are adults, age cannot factor into your decision in New Hampshire and in many other states. I also want to note here that there are exemptions to these anti-discrimination laws, meaning they won't be federally enforced for businesses under a certain size. So employers with less than 15 employees are exempt from the Civil Rights Act and the ADA, which is the American Disabilities Act, and employers with less than 20 employees are exempt from the Federal Age Discrimination Act. The exemptions are often narrower on a state level, and that's true in New Hampshire as well. In New Hampshire, anti-discrimination law applies to all private New Hampshire employers with six or more employees. Great. Thanks, Chloe. That's
1: um, quite a fabric you're weaving together of how state and federal law intertwine regarding discrimination. And so getting back to our example here with uh, my hypothetical farm. Uh, As a small farm business hiring my first employee, I would probably fall within the exemption you just described. And if I do fall within that exemption, what does that mean for my business practices?
2: Well, it does mean that a discrimination lawsuit cannot be brought against you as a small business. And remember, exactly what constitutes a small business is defined differently depending on the applicable statute. But we have to remember that a lot happens before a lawsuit is filed. An interviewee could still report you to the state or federal employment protection agency or simply make claims of discrimination to your peers or the world at large through social media. So you owe it to yourself and your business to know these legal parameters of non-discrimination even if you are exempt. Also, you may want your business to grow and when that happens you'll want to be practiced at legally resilient hiring.
0: Hmm. I so appreciate that grounding Chloe and just want to reiter- reiterate now um so we know about the general federally protected characteristics and the additional protected characteristics in New Hampshire. And I'm imagining that the best way to not make a hiring decision based on these characteristics is to not know about them in the first place. But, of course, this isn't entirely possible, especially in an interview process where an employer is not in full control over what they learn about a prospective employee. Yes, that's true.
2: Farmers and ranchers can, though, minimize the risk of discrimination by making sure interview questions avoid asking about those protected characteristics, right? So let's talk about choosing questions to ask in an interview. I recommend drafting a list of questions before you start the interview process and asking each interviewee the same questions for comparison purposes. These questions should focus on the job requirements without opening that door to talk to about any protected characteristics. In fact, employers in New Hampshire are forbidden from even inquiring about these protected characteristics. It says that right in the statute. This is not necessarily true in other states or aside from questions on disabilities, federally either, but It is best practice not to ask a question if you don't want to know the answer.
0: So maybe it would be helpful now to go through some examples of questions that shouldn't be asked in a job interview. And could we use New Hampshire as our example state to do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So religion is a protected characteristic federally and in New Hampshire. Let's say I am hiring a farm employee and part of their job is to manage the farm stand on Sunday mornings. And let's say I live in an area where a lot of folks attend religious services on Sunday mornings. In the interview process, what is a good way for me to check if the applicant can serve the essential job function of being at the farm stand on Sunday mornings? You simply ask, can you attend the farmer's market on Sunday mornings?
2: Don't open the window for information about religious obligations to creep in. Now, especially if you live in an area where a lot of people go to church on Sunday, you may be tempted to say something like, do you have any conflicting obligations on Sunday like
0: church? Just don't go there. Okay, that's funny because that happened to me once. I was interviewing for a job in a cafe and the hiring manager asked, do you have any weekly scheduling conflicts like appointments, therapy, etc.? And I sensed he was asking because he knew people often forget to think of those things when building out a work schedule. But now that I'm hearing what you're saying, um, his question could have been construed as asking for information about health conditions, which is not good, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a great example.
0: So, another protected characteristic is tobacco use cigarette butts and smokers' hands can transmit tobacco mosaic virus. So it's a functional issue for every farm with nightshade crops and smoking is not permitted on the farm property. You may be tempted to ask, do you smoke
2: tobacco? Instead, just say there's a no smoking policy on the farm. Can you
0: comply with that? Mm. Yeah, I'm really seeing how easily these these questions should be so simple and how easily it could be for um somebody to phrase them in in a way that's just a little bit too too open-ended or or gets into discriminatory territory. So, and here's here's another example, and I feel like this is a big one for farming since the work is so physical. Protected characteristics of disabilities and health conditions. I can imagine well-intentioned employers wanting to ask about asthma, physical abilities, etc., to ensure safety, if nothing else. So how can farmers navigate this? Okay, well, you should have a list of the
2: essential job functions. Uh, So, for example, if you're looking for a field hand, the person you hire will need to harvest and pack vegetables, obviously. These are the functions of the position. So they are essential functions. Now, there are associated requirements of these functions, which include being able to bend down repeatedly and lift, you know, say 50 pounds. Being upfront about these essential functions or whatever the essential functions of the job you're looking for are early and often, that's the best practice. Ideally, these essential functions and requirements were listed in the job description, so they won't be new to the applicant in, you know, in the best scenario. You want to go through these essential functions again. In during the interview, and ask the interviewee if they can perform them. Then here's the key: you trust their answer.
1: Hmm. Thanks, Chloe. I want to jump in here because these are really great examples uh, that you and Kate are discussing. And so far, we've talked about avoiding questions that directly address one or one or more of those protected characteristics, being like religion, health condition. Um, smoking. And I'm wondering now, putting, putting myself in our listeners' shoes, should employers be careful of indirectly addressing the protected characteristics as well? Like, how far do we go
2: here in terms of avoiding? Yeah, for sure. So there are definitely a lot of seemingly innocuous questions that might bring you and your interviewee into potentially discriminatory territory. For example, you may see that you and your interviewee attended the same school and might just excitedly ask when they graduated. But graduation dates can pretty easily and often be linked to age, and age, remember, is a protected characteristic. Of course, everywhere 40 and above is protected, and in New Hampshire and some other states, 18 and above is protected. Another example would be asking about children, ages of children, or childcare arrangements. These should all be avoided during the interview. I can imagine you might be asking this question because you have a legitimate concern about whether the interviewee will be at work when you need them to be, or you might just be making friendly conversation. Even so, these questions shouldn't be asked because they are linked to sex, which is a protected characteristic everywhere and familial status, which is a New Hampshire edition. Another important topic to avoid is history of arrest, like asking an interviewee if they have ever been arrested. While history of arrest itself is not a protected characteristic, the legacy of racism in our criminal justice system has created a correlation between arrests and race, and race, of course, is a protected characteristic. I'll avoid going down a potentially overwhelming list of questions that you should avoid and just remind folks that every question you ask should be related to an essential function of the job. When you are making that list of questions, you should be asking yourself, why do I need to know this? Your answer to yourself should always be because the job requires it. And you should be able to articulate the reason the job requires it.
1: Yeah, that's great, Chloe. Super helpful um, just strategy tool to keep in mind of why the job requires the thing that you're asking the question about. And so now if we go back to um, the hypothetical farm example, what if I ask you know, one of my carefully selected questions to an interviewee and in her answer, she reveals that she is gay, pregnant and chronically ill. Let's just go ahead and stack the deck pretty high here.
2: <laughs> That's a great question because something like this might happen. Well, you might end up learning some personal information about your interviewee. I don't know if you get all those doozies in one. That would be quite the day. But it is true. You can't 100% control what we learn about someone when you're interviewing them. If this does happen, if you learn anything personal that edges close to one of those protected characteristics, Don't panic. Just don't ask follow-up questions. No, take, nod your head, pivot, and return to your list of questions that you've prepared before the interview. I'll add here too, that you shouldn't ask about roommates or living situations. With these questions, you could very easily stumble into learning about an applicant's sexual orientation or familial status. And neither of those things have anything to do with the job. Now, there is this added farm-related complication that you might be asking about these things like roommates or partners because you are offering on-farm housing. But even if that is the case, it doesn't mean that these questions are suddenly fair game. On-farm housing is really a whole other ball of wax that we can't get into in this podcast episode. But suffice to say now that these questions just shouldn't be broached during an interview.
0: Hmm. Thanks, Chloe. So we have our parameters for legally resilient interview questions that we can use consistently with each applicant. How else should an employer prepare to interview someone from the perspective of avoiding discrimination?
2: I recommend having your list of questions printed out with plenty of room under each one for notes. The rule number one of all small business law is to write everything down, and that goes for interviews too. You'll need to have detailed notes on each interview to fairly evaluate each applicant as you make your hiring decision. Set yourself up for success and create a template to follow for each interview. The same goes for your evaluation process after the interview. You want all interviewees to be held to the same standard. Consider creating a scoring rubric. For example, if one of your questions is that classic, can you tell us about a time you overcame a problem? You could then rate the response one to five based on how well the answer demonstrated the ability to problem solve. Then the person with the highest score is your top contender for the job. This system is great for a few reasons. One, it leaves a paper trail of your decision-making process, and two, it makes your decision-making process more objective. In the end, if needed, you should be able to go back and find a legitimate and, of course, non-discriminatory reason for hiring or not hiring each applicant.
0: Okay, so to recap, we want to have a list of interview questions that we ask of each applicant. These questions should address the essential functions of the job without opening up room for inquiry into any of the protected characteristics. And it's also a good idea to take notes during the interview process so that you can then evaluate each applicant using a scoring rubric or some other neutral standard. Is that a good summary?
2: You got it. Following those guidelines will help keep your interview focused on the job at hand and help you avoid discrimination while hiring the right folks for the job.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chloe, for your legal guidance and Kate for your helpful questions and probing. Uh, Before we go, let's close with a few tangible action steps that you listeners can take. So if you have a pen and paper handy or the notes app on your phone or something else that you like to use to record notes, uh, you can begin drafting some interview questions that you hope to ask in your next hiring process and workshop them with a trusted peer later on. You can also review the selected essentials in farm employment law for, for your state, uh, our team of attorneys, of which Chloe is one, uh, has researched the essential employment laws for all 50 states in in addition to Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia, and we have linked those guides in the episode notes. Uh, This is about a 20-minute read and will give you a strong grasp on what a legally sound employment program looks like, including discrimination protection and more. And finally, consider registering for our self-paced Advanced Farm Employment Law course to comprehensively align your farm or ranch's labor program with the law. You can register for that on our website. Thanks, everyone, for your time.
0: Thank you, Eva, and thank you, Chloe, and of course, thank you to our listeners. We're so glad you could join us today.
2: So glad to be here. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. If you are looking for more resources on your burning farm law questions, visit our website at farmcommons.org for a variety of workshops, guides, checklists, tutorials, and more. You can also email your questions and comments to info at farmcommons.org. Stay tuned for our next episode, and until then, keep growing.